0: Thank you, worship team. I told you guys it was going to be awesome. Oh, man, I I get here at 7.30 and listen to them. I'm fired up by 8.30, and you guys aren't even out of bed, most of you. So It's going to be a great day for another reason. My sweet granddaughter helped get me dressed this morning. She picked out my clothes because I'm colorblind, very limited on my color matching, and she said, Bapa, that looks good, so we're ready to go. So it's going to be a great day. She helped me get dressed. So I think I've shared with you in some previous times of of visiting and speaking with you, one of my all-time favorite sermons comes from the 70s, I believe, way back. It's Tony Campolo, and it's, it's Friday, but Sunday's a coming. Well, this week I changed, we have one of those little, where you can change the message boards at our house. And I changed the message up just a little bit. And let me preface it by saying, it wasn't Lisa's favorite idea of a sermon idea, because I don't know how your household works, but I'm assuming if you are a working adult, a lot of times a Sunday night is similar to the Vandaloon household where it's Sunday and oh no, Mondays are coming. So, we're changing things up because it's Sunday, my friends, but Mondays are coming. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come, just as we sang, that you will come and you'll rush in like a flood this morning, that you'll fall afresh on us, that you will give us fresh eyes, that you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts that you will come in never-ending waves. Father, as we talk about how we flourish in exile, we know, Lord, that we can't do it without your power, without your presence in our lives. Lord, we just pray for more and more and more of you. And as we do that, I invite you to pray with me the prayer that Jesus himself taught us to pray. Would you pray the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. For those of you who are history buffs, it's kind of interesting because if you remember, I think it was, let me see, June 12, 1987, was President Reagan's probably one of his most famous speeches as he stood at the gate, at the Brandenburg Gate in Germany. And he said this famous line, which around the world Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. That echoed across the world, and communism fell, and it was a beautiful day in the world. Well, it's kind of interesting to me, because we just sang a song about, as the walls come down, the praise is going to go up. We're going to flip things up in your mind just a little bit. Because breaking down walls is a good thing, and we know that. We all know that. But today, we're going to talk about restoring walls and building up the wall of our neighbor Again, if you remember the context that we're in, we're wrapping up almost two years' worth of study of what it means to live in exile. And specifically today, we're going to kind of rehash and revisit what does it look like, what does the king's economy look like as we do that. And I'm going to invite you, if you brought your Bibles, we're going to be teaching from Isaiah 58. Isaiah 58 is where we're going to go, and this became a... This became a real important passage to me. I don't know, Jackie, a couple years ago, not even, about a year and a half, it was right before Christmas time. Jackie Neuendorp is one of our small group leaders, or has been. Megan has been. Uh, So, my wife and I, we host high school kids uh, every Wednesday night during the school year. And we were charged by the leadership to listen to the Holy Spirit. And so, Getting a group of 25 to 30, I don't even know how many were there that night, 35 high school kids to slow themselves down on Wednesday night, to actually just sit and listen, A, is sort of a miracle in itself. But B, it was a beautiful and amazing thing because as each one of us individually just sat quietly for the Spirit to speak to us, different things popped up, different things came together. And one of the things that came out of that was this Isaiah 58 passage, and what ended up happening, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but just to tell you a little bit about what an end result of today's sermon might look like. That group of 25 or so students, we partnered with Riverside Church over in Knoxville, and we did a diaper drive, and in six weeks, I wish, I was going to wake Lisa up this morning to find the picture that we have. In six, it wasn't even six weeks, it was probably three and a half weeks, we, ra- we had more diapers. They, they gave diapers away free to moms that were in need. They had more diapers. It was like, I don't know, two vanfuls. It was crazy. You brought them over. You unloaded them, didn't you, Jackie? It was like a crazy amount of diapers that we stood in the gap. And it was, that's where this passage became hugely important to me. But let's go ahead, and we're going to read it together. We're going to start at verse 1. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. That in and of itself kind of grabbed me. It's like anytime. time... You're told by the Holy Spirit to shout it aloud. This is is a big deal, gang. This is a big deal. Not something that we, his church, can just kind of blow by and say that's Old Testament stuff. Shout it aloud. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. As if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. Starting to sound familiar. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. So what is it about their fasting that's unacceptable to God? What's wrong with it? In a nutshell, their fast has left their sin in their lives untouched. They're just going through the motions. They're doing the right thing on Sunday. They're doing the right Whatever, they're doing, oh, they're saying the right things, they're doing what they think they've been told to do. Here's my encouragement to you. If you haven't watched, or if you were not part of Kevin's sermon from last week, here's your homework take 30 minutes and go back and watch last week's sermon from the sanctuary. Unbelievably powerful. Gang, here it is in a nutshell. Here was Kevin's message. We must, each one, each one individually, must, must, must nail our sin to the cross. We've got to kill our sin. All the right words, all the right things that we do, all the rules that we think we're following are right mean nothing to God if we don't kill our sin. It's pretty easy I am the first, it's pretty easy to stand here or sit here on a Sunday, do all the right things, raise our hands, sing all the right songs, and then Monday, what are we doing? I'm going to remind all of us, it's Sunday, but Mondays are coming. Mondays are coming. Let's look at verse 6 through 10. What does God want from us? is this not the kind of fasting I've chosen to loosen the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. And you will cry for help, and I will say, here am I. Let me just, again, seems like obvious to some of us that have maybe been at this a while going to church thing. I think we need to say it, because some of us, even those of us that have done this a while have been Christ's followers for a while. This is not, heavy emphasis on not, what you do to get into heaven. That's a free gift. We talk a lot about grace. This is not about you doing the right things, doing the right thing to help your neighbor. That's not where we're going today. So I want to just clear that up right from the get-go. There's no earning your way into heaven. That's a free gift that we've been given. God cannot be negotiated with. Gang, what I just read to you, that's why I was so excited to share this passage. What I just read with you, when we started talking a year ago and then again just this last spring about the King's economy, I thought, Isaiah 58, that's it. That's the King's economy. That's what we're called to do. That's what it's all about. Let's look a little closer at some of those verses. Look at verse 6. If you want to summarize it, it's to lift the burdens of bondage, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. If you jump to verse 9, to do away with the yoke of oppression. Look at the words. Chains, cords, yokes, oppression. Gang, the point is God wants to free his people. He doesn't want to burden them. That's why he came down so hard on the Pharisees. That's why he came so hard, because it's not a bunch of rules. He wants us to bring shalom, to peace, harmony, to our neighbors. Kevin's talked for two years now. He wants us to love our neighbor, to will the good of another. If you look at verse 7, what's it say? It says, feed the hungry. Later on, verse 7, home for the homeless. At the end of verse 7, clothe the naked. Does that sound vaguely familiar to Matthew 25, the words of our Savior? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to visit you? The king, the king's economy, the king, Will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Later on, the flip side is, he answers, when you did not do for the least of these. Interestingly, if you go, To verse 9 again, if we jump back. Verse 9, talking about putting away our contempt for other people, pointing the finger. I think that's the danger, that's the perception that our world has of our church. Those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, they feel, and sometimes rightly so, they feel as though it's all about you did this, you're wrong here, you're going straight to hell. If you don't change, it's all about this. Some Bible scholars say, and I pardon, I won't do it," but some Bible scholars say it maybe not as much a pointing finger as it is another one of our middle fingers that we may be saying to our neighbor. "Forget you. You got it all wrong. Verse 10. We're to give ourselves and satisfy the soul of the afflicted. It's not just about giving food. It's not just about giving diapers. Those are all great things. Those are all things that do help. They help us. They, we stand in the gap. But it's also, and I think this is the thing that really strikes me, it's also about giving of ourself. I heard read a quote this week. It says, it's not just relief. It's about being willing to have relationship." Think about your neighbors. In the craziness of our world, that's where it seems to need to start. Being willing to invest in some sort of a relationship. If you look through verse 8 through 12, if we keep moving, there's a lot of if thens going on. If this, then that. If this, then that. I got to jump back here. And if we pick it up in verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing finger and the malicious talk. Verse 10, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. Are we called to be light in the darkness of our world? And your night will become like noonday, and the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in the sun-scorched lands. He will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up the age-old foundations. You will be called the repairer of broken walls. So here's what's kind of interesting. Many of you probably have heard of Ray Vanderlaan. He did this wonderful video that I've gleaned some of this information from. I think it helps us to kind of get the context because quite often the Bible uses imagery that unless you physically know what's going on, when they talk about gardens and you talk about farming, and you, it's not an Iowa corn, cornfield that we're talking about. The Hebrew word for garden and what he's referring to in the Isaiah chapter is gone. G-A-N. And I think we're going to see some pictures here of we can pull some of those up. You'll get a better idea of what that is. So these are terraced vineyards. And a, a gone typically has three different crops on it. They have fig trees, they have olive trees, and then, of course, grapevines. But the real beauty of a gone is how they are cared for. The soil is often quite rocky, so there's a very long, tedious If you can imagine out in the kind of weather that we're experiencing in Iowa right now, that's sometimes very typical of around the Jerusalem-Israel weather, the tedious of pulling the rocks out of the ground and building up the walls. And again, please notice the walls. Every stone has its place. There's big stones, there's small stones. Every stone has a critical place. And what's critical about the walls is that they keep the topsoil from falling down because here's how the gons are structured the entire hillside would be a community the entire hillside is a community so one layer is the vandaloon's gone the next layer down might be your family's gone one layer down from that is going to be Paul and Vicky Jones and their clan The next layer down is going to be, and so you see all the way down the hillside. So what's interesting about a is that the walls that you see, you don't see your own wall. Your own wall is down below you. So you will have constant contact and constant visual seeing of your neighbor's wall. And why those walls become so critical is that if it rained and when it's rainy season, If those walls aren't protected, if those walls aren't built up, if those walls, the rains can start and they can wash away the entire community. So your community rises and falls together. Its sheer survival is based on the fact that I'm going to tend to and take care of my neighbor's wall. So... What happens when I see a hole in my neighbor's wall or I see a breach in my neighbor's wall? I fix it. I pick up some rocks and I replace them. I repair. So it's thinking like a community. We think that way for his sake, for my sake, for the community's sake. I think that's the part that we miss. Because of our Western eyes, we tend to think your wall, you deal with it. Or, if I may step on my own toes along with some of the others, it's a quick, I'll pray for your wall or your problem or your situation. Sometimes I remember. Most of the time I... And you just move on. Gang, the community that we are called to be a part of rises and falls together. That... That's the picture of the king's economy. If, you're, if I were to summarize what we've learned over the last year, here's my takeaway. Here's what I hope that you take away. Gang, we need to change our thinking. We need to change our thinking. We need to be totally committed, not dip our toe in the water, totally committed to wall building and wall repairing. Our mission when we leave here, I was so tempted, so tempted to have T-shirts made for all of us because I think this would be a great way. I was going to have these rock wall T-shirts in Isaiah 58 and I was going to, we were going to throw them out with a good old T-shirt, it would have been a great, <laughs> but that idea didn't come to me like Thursday morning and I didn't have time. So if you really feel inspired, go have a T-shirt made and just see what kind of, What kind of conversations you can start if you're just a wall builder, Isaiah 58? There may be some testimonies that could be had. So, gang, when we see someone's wall broken, we need to step in. We need to repair. So what does that mean? A couple of very basic, simple, straightforward, and here's going to be kind of one common theme that you see with each of the points that I'm going to bring to you. Jesus is either the best example or the forefront. It's all about Jesus. Everything we're doing is about Jesus. So the first thing, I remember Kathy's, be alert. She talked about being alert. So be alert. Have his eyes. If you think about Jesus, if you think about the time when he met either the Samaritan woman, he saw somebody a lot more than a hopeless, whatever harlot, I guess we could call her, whatever word you wanted to use. He saw something much different. He saw a broken daughter. Or how about when he noticed Zacchaeus up in the tree? He didn't see some despised tax collector. He saw a man longing to belong to something. Or when he encounters Peter, he doesn't just see this brash fisherman. He spots a bold disciple on who he was going to build his church. Gang, we need to all continually pray that we can have eyes like Jesus to see people the way he sees them. We want to build the king's economy. It starts with being alert and having his eyes and his heart. Here's the second one that I put in for myself. I don't know if this will fit anybody else's scenario, but I put this in as a personal reminder. Don't act like you have all the answers. Again, think about the conversations that are recorded for us that Jesus had. He listened. He asked questions. Then he developed that relationship, which then allowed him to speak grace and truth. Saw somebody send something out. Be a bucket filler. Don't be one that's always dragging, empty in the bucket. Be a bucket filler. How about this one? Again, from just before some of the passages that Hannah read to us. How about following Jesus' example and washing feet? What does that take? Humility. It takes being servant-hearted. I don't think it was any accident, the timing of when he did that, right before he said, I give you a new command. Love one another. So what does that look like? Again, in Kevin's, Last few weeks, if you want to go back, if you haven't, listened to them. We're talking balancing grace and truth. Balancing grace and truth. And that only comes, that's why that passage from John, that only comes when we are so connected. So connected to Jesus. Because he, and then so, he's, he's just the one that can teach us. And then we're living out of the circle of love. Again, we talked about fruit of the Spirit. That's not just something we try harder. That's just who we are. That's who we become. So as you think about the king's economy, gang, he wants to love the world through us. We've all heard that. We've all heard it many, many times on Sunday. But then Monday comes. So that's why I'm just encouraging all of us, gang, it's Sunday, but the joy is that Monday is coming. Because for the last few years, if you remember way back a couple years ago when Kevin started this series about living in exile and that we're not to be living in fear, we're not to be fearful that we're so irrelevant that nobody wants to listen to us. Gang, it's not a time to be frustrated or worried. It's time for us to be the light. Time for us to build up and repair our neighbor's walls. Time for us to show the love of Jesus. We pray it almost every week so that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Saw another interesting quote this week. Listen to this one. Revival. Revival. We all pray for revival. We all see a world that's dark. We all see a world that seems to be going in a direction we don't want. Revival is not going to come from great preaching, but rather from great intercession. That's us. That's us. When we intercede for and love our neighbor and build their walls, Again, it's going to require a tremendous amount of dependence on the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? Everything I've talked about, all this is not going to come naturally. It comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. If you look at, let's look at those words that Hannah read for us earlier. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Get this. You may ask for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I will not give you Give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Remain in me, and I also in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither you can bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Then the final one was my commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. My dear friends, my church family, I'm going to say it one more time. I'm going to say it because I'm excited. It's Sunday, but Monday's coming. We can roll up our sleeves, and we can build our neighbor's walls, and we can point to Jesus while we're doing it. That's what it's all about. We can point to Jesus and bring glory to him. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up couple of questions or action steps that I'm going to encourage you to ponder. First one is this. What specific things can you do in order to become more aware of the broken walls in your community? What specific things? Sometimes that gets out of your own little circle of friends and acquaintances. That might be having coffee with or inviting that neighbor that you've never invited to the neighborhood gathering. That might need a hamburger Barbecue with somebody that you wouldn't normally, again, I'm going to encourage you, think about who Jesus ate with. Think about who Jesus was hanging out with. Second thing, who in your circle of influence, your neighbors, is at risk? And who needs help in repairing a wall? How can you bring shalom? How can you bring peace and love to that person or to that family? That may be high on your prayer list in the coming weeks. And then during our last couple of songs, I'm going to encourage you, whether that's as a family, whether that's individually, I'm going to encourage you to write. Take one of these stones that I brought, and you can write whatever you want, but whether that's maybe Isaiah 58, that might be in wall builder, because if you think about it, think about a lot of times in the Old Testament, God commanded the Israelites to build an altar so that they could remember Because again, it's Sunday and the craziness of Monday is coming. So if you have this sitting on your desk at work and you run into those situations that we all do, that you be reminded who you are and whose you are and what you've been called to do. Parents, I'm going to take it a step further. Maybe place your family rock somewhere where you can teach by example and by words to your kids. When they go, what is that rock all about? You can teach. You can teach. You can show them. You can say, hey, let's invite. Let's do this. Let's have these people over for Kool-Aid and an ice cream cone. Whatever that maybe is, to build your neighbor's wall. And then the last thing that you can do during this time is Paul and Vicki are going to be serving communion. Time to come and celebrate what he's done and what he's called us to do. So while we sing and praise, everybody's going to be able to relax. We've got a couple of different songs. Um, yeah, just whatever you feel God called to do. Whether, and if you don't have time, we've got lots of markers up here. You can come up and write whatever it is that reminds yourself of what we're being called to do.